0: is Need to Know, real talk about unidentified anomalous phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coulthardt. from the US, Bryce Zabel.
1: Hello and welcome to this latest edition of Need to Know. I'm Ross Coulthardt in Australia and across in Los Angeles, my friend Bryce Zabel, who I understand has a lot of time on his hands. If you are referring
0: to the fact that uh, I'm still on strike with the Writers Guild, you're right in that regard. Also, it turns out that uh, we've been joined by 160,000 of our closest friends, the actors from the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, and Ross, this is the first time since 1960 when writers and actors were on strike at the same time. So in addition to the unprecedented uh, amount of um heat that we have right now we also have picket lines all over the city um i was at a picket line by the way last week kind of if a picket line can be charming this was charming i went to the picket line at a hotel in santa monica where we were also picketing with the uh the the hotel workers union which is also on strike and uh, the hotel is where I got married with my wife uh, several decades ago. So it was kind of it was kind of a nice uh, way to remind ourselves that we were uh, that we made it and also that what's, we'll what's get it through. This about, right?
1: Right? What, what's the purpose of the strike? I, I, I'm fascinated because my reading of it from here in Australia is that it's a lot to do with the impact of streaming technology and the internet on Hollywood. And what that's doing to both writers and actors' incomes as Hollywood studios move to protect their own profits. Uh, that's a good synopsis of it.
0: It's, it's like everything. Every strike is trying to correct what happened before. So, you know, I've been in the Guild a long time. Uh, the first strike I was on was about VHS tapes and trying to get equality for VHS. Then the next strike was about DVDs and, and, and all of that. And of course, now we're trying to get the streaming model right. At the same time, the companies that we negotiate against uh, are saying that the streaming model is not as good as they thought it would be. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, That was kind of their problem. You know, the truth is we negotiate uh, with a a group of companies called the AMPTP, which is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. But what's interesting about this time, Ross, is that it includes those tech giants like Apple and uh, Amazon. And they're not used to dealing with labor issues uh, as much as the other companies have been over the years. So, yeah, we are talking about all of that, but we're also talking about what everyone else is talking about which is ai because both actors and writers have legitimate fears about what artificial intelligence could do to their ability to make a living uh we all you know, know that chat gpt can write a screenplay if you ask it to
1: just to make a gigantic segue yeah. from what we're talking about here yeah. which is obviously the laudable reasons why you and your colleagues are on strike at the moment sure. in hollywood Let's make a segue across to the UAP issue, because this has been a momentous last couple of weeks in the subject of UAPs. One of the criticisms you and I have consistently made over the last few months is the fact that the legacy media is taking so long to engage with this subject. And I wonder whether you'd have a view on the fact that the reason why the Washington Post, the New York Times, all the big newspapers, all the big TV networks have been very, very timid about putting their toe in the water on the UAP issue is in part because the revenue that they used to get from the rivers of gold of advertising, classified advertising, TV advertising, it's just not there anymore. And so that's why people like myself are working as freelancers because investigative journalism, such as what you and I have been doing to try and get to the bottom of this UAP mystery, it costs money. It costs time and money and to deploy somebody like me or you, into investigating this issue is, an, is a huge decision for an editor. Just like it is, I suspect, for a movie house that that has to make a decision about what kind of movies it spends money on if it's putting those movies up on streaming video.
0: Well, maybe. I, I You know, I think this one may boil down to some just basic issues. Uh, people are kind of ticked off that uh, the work conditions that writers and actors work on have changed because uh, the companies don't want to pay them more, but at the same time, the companies have made more money than they've made in a long, long time. And the CEOs of some of these companies, like Bob Iger at Disney and David Zaslav at Warner Brothers, these guys make thirty million dollars a year without the bonuses. Some of them have that's made- a bit more
1: than you're earning, mate. I, I, you know, t- yeah. thirty million bucks. It's not too far off your income, is it? Is I don't it? make that you much. It overpaid cost, be <laughs>
0: <laughs> It'd be so nice, but you know, the it, it is interesting. I just wonder though if we could, we can't really lay the UAP lack of coverage uh, based on anybody's financial model. I think it has way more to do with this stigma, which still exists. I see, um, you know, I have a friend who I'm working on a project with, and um, he says. He, you know, he's seen all the stuff. I've told him all about David Grush and he knows about all the things that we're going to be talking about in this episode. And he says, every time he looks at his newsfeed, he never sees anything about this, even though here he is interested in it, but there's never anything about it. And, um, and for yes, example, and yes,
1: well, sorry, and, I interrupted
0: you. Sorry. No, no. no, no, it's, I, I was just going to say one of the things I do on Sunday mornings, uh, and we're taping it in on a Sunday afternoon is I watch uh, Meet the Press, and I watch uh, This Week with George Stephanopoulos. I just like to find out what people are saying about politics and, and what's going on in the nation's capital. So here we have all these things that we're about to lay out that are going on, and was there a single peep about it? Uh-uh. Now, here we're, we're going to be talking about Chuck Schumer and all the other things. Well, my gosh. That would seem like it ought to be part of anybody's discussion on a Sunday morning news show, but not at all. Missing in action.
1: So, my friend, last time you and I spoke on Need to Know, we were talking about the Gillibrand Amendment, the legislation that she's proposing, I think, as part of the Intelligence Authorization Act, the Intelligence Appropriations. Uh, But this time, Chuck Schumer, no less than the Senate majority leader, Last week, pulled out of our hat a most incredible piece of legislation proposed as an amendment to the fiscal year military appropriations, that's the National Defense Authorization Act. And let's be clear, this is only an amendment, a proposed amendment. It's a bill or amendments, per se. So they're going to go in for consideration by the full Congress. But what's important about this legislation is that it's bipartisan. It's both the both the Republicans and the Democrats. And I have never I I truly I'm just gobsmacked at what it says. I I want to take us, though, to a very, very important uh, part of this legislation, which is called the, um, to provide for the expeditious disclosure of unidentified anomalous phenomena records. It's essentially disclosure in all but name, a controlled disclosure. And for those debunkers out there, I, I laughed this morning because there's one very squawky, irritating little debunker who, frankly... Uh, I will not name, who has been jumping up and down saying that Congress uh, once got fixated on vampires in the 19th century. And so it's not at all unlikely that yet again, Congress has been distracted by the unreal UAP issue. And, um, you know, they're going to go down the path of taking seriously UAPs when, of course, any sober minded scientist and sensible person wouldn't believe a word of this. And then you go to Section 2, my friend findings, declarations and purposes. And it's quite clear that the Congress, Senator Schumer, knows something. It's quite clear when they say that all federal government records relating to UAP should be preserved and centralised for historical and federal government purposes They should all have a presumption of immediate disclosure and should be eventually disclosed to enable the public to become fully informed about the history of the federal government's knowledge and involvement surrounding unidentified anomalous phenomena. This is not speculation. I know for a fact from my own sources that there have been secret witnesses now giving evidence to key Senate and House intelligence committees. This is the moment. This is where the Congress finally turned the corner and for the first time states, quite categorically, yes, the federal government or sections of the federal government are hiding something. It says in, um, what is it, a clause or a subsection, subsection two of section two of this proposed amendment, Legislation is necessary because credible evidence and testimony indicates that federal government unidentified anomalous phenomena records exist that have not been declassified or subject to mandatory declassification review as set forth in Executive Order 13526 relating to classified national security information due in part to exemptions under the Atomic Energy Act of 1954 As well as an overbroad interpretation of trans classified foreign nuclear information, which is also exempt from mandatory declassification, thereby preventing public disclosure under existing provisions of law. My friend, this is not speculative. This is Congress saying categorically information has been improperly withheld. This is historic. It's historic, and there's so much to unpack in what you just said. The
0: one thing I will say is there's a lot more evidence for UAP's existence than there is for vampires. So <laughs> I, I think it's probably a, a worthy thing for. I like vampires. I'm a Hollywood writer. I've written a couple of vampire pieces, but I never thought when I was writing about vampires, I was, uh, you know, writing about the truth. I felt that way when I've written about UAP and UFOs. Okay, a couple of things. Um, Chuck Schumer, just so we can all appreciate this, you said he was the Senate majority leader. Well, guess who the last Democratic Senate majority leader was? Harry Mm -hmm. Reid, another person who knew damn well that the UAP issue was a real one and needed to be addressed. Uh, It is shocking, I have to say, uh, because Chuck Schumer is a man who's made his career uh, by politically being aware of how things are going and you wouldn't expect Chuck Schumer to actually utter in an actual sentence the phrase non-human intelligence but that's exactly what he did
1: this week 26 times 26 yeah. times in that legislation
0: <laughs> yeah exactly but he actually said it in his statements too I mean in other words what I'm seeing happening in in uh, DC is that c- politicians who frankly would, in years past, I've had no reason whatsoever to talk about uh, UAP, let alone non human intelligence, are doing exactly that. Now, the interesting thing, this uh, language that you're talking about would be part, I guess, of the NDAA, correct? The uh, correct. Uh, yeah. National Defense uh, Authorization Act, which I should remind everyone Ross and I have talked about a great deal in some of our podcasts because uh, the NDA of the past two years has included some really uh, interesting language about how to investigate UAPs and some fairly militant language from Congress people like uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, etc. And I should also point out the NDAA passed easily these last two years in a bipartisan fashion, and uh, the UAP issue was never singled out. There is one flag on the play, though, for this uh, legislation to pass as easily as it has in the past two years, independent of this new UAP language. And that is that the Republican House has put in some of their favorite issues uh, about how to deal with abortion and and some other issues into the, the, the whole NDAA and then pass that and send it to the Senate, the Senate is going to strip out some of those things. So suddenly the NDAA, which has usually been something where everybody goes, yep, we got to support the military. Let's vote yes. And that's how the UAP stuff snuck through, possibly. Uh, we may not get that lucky with it this time because obviously it's going to be a very contentious uh, road to passing it. The other thing I just wanted to say uh, in reference to what you're talking about, what, what, uh, This new language says and what uh, uh, Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, um, is suggesting, I I assume by including it, is to do with UFO records what the nation tried to do back in 1992 with the uh, JFK Records Act, which was to create a panel of some kind that would review these records and uh, with the JFK thing, they ended up releasing a lot of records over time. They were given uh, a time to get it done. They asked for more time. And and I should point out, at the end of the day, while a lot of records about JFK were released, there are still some that remain classified uh, that made it through the Trump administration and the Biden administration. And it took years to get to that. So I'm hopeful that this uh, strategy will go a little faster if we're going to be talking about UFOs.
1: Mate, that's a great summary. One of the things I I think we need to emphasise with Chuck Schumer's role in this is up until now, we hadn't heard from Chuck Schumer. And this is amazing. This is why it's quite extraordinary that we're now hearing from him, because he's obviously, because of his status as the Senate Majority Leader, he's a member of the Gang of Eight. And so if there's any part of the Congress that's been briefed in at all, to any part of what's now slowly being revealed about the UAP legacy program, it's members of the Gang of Eight. And I am aware from my own sources that there have been meetings in the Senate where uh, particularly the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence, the House Permanent Select Committee for Intelligence, And uh, also, I think the Armed Services Committees in both houses uh, have basically had hearings on the issue of UAPs. And a lot of witnesses have already given evidence. And this is what's informed Schumer, Rubio and Gillibrand to make this bipartisan legislation. And it's a doozy. It also says in the, um, if, if you like, the statement of reasons why this legislation is necessary, it says that the Freedom of Information Act, quote, has proven inadequate in achieving the timely public disclosure of government unidentified anomalous phenomena records that are subject to mandatory declassification review. It's acknowledging, frankly, at the heart of this, that there are records that ought properly to have been released. It says legislation is necessary to restore, the word restore, proper oversight over UAP records by elected officials in both the legislative branches of the federal government that has otherwise been lacking as of the enactment of this act. So that's an implicit, an explicit, sorry, acknowledgement that the Congress has been improperly, if not illegally withheld information. This is serious shit, Bryce. I'm sorry to be blunt about it, but I am just gobsmacked at what is in this law. I've I've actually been reading it over again and again and again. And as you say, the number of references to non-human intelligence. The final clause that I just loved as to the statement of intent of the legislation is in subclause or subsection seven. Legislation is necessary to, quote, afford complete and timely access Access to all knowledge gained by the federal government concerning unidentified anomalous phenomena in furtherance of comprehensive open scientific and technological research and development essential to avoiding or mitigating potential technological surprise in furtherance of urgent national security concerns and the public interest. Now, just to reiterate, my friend, somebody of the seniority of Chuck Schumer, the Senate majority leader, one of the most powerful people in the Congress is explicitly saying this is real, is explicitly saying things have been improperly withheld. He knows something, and I know he knows something. I've known about this for some time, but this this is way beyond what I ever expected.
0: Need to Know continues in a moment. If you're going to start talking about non-human intelligence now, and this has been going on as long as it has been, then you have to ask, why are they doing this now? Why now? Um, and I think it's it, it's inside the answer you just gave, which is many of these people have already given testimony. Therefore, when uh, senators and congresspeople are talking about non-human intelligence, they're doing it for a reason. So in a way, I kind of look at this conversation that's going on, this coverage of uh, Schumer and and the other language as kind of a form of disclosure. I mean, if our guys are going to, uh, our representatives are going to actually start using the phrase non-human intelligence, they're not doing that, as you point out, uh, because it's a lark. They're doing it because they've heard something that makes them believe right now that there is non-human intelligence. So folks, if you're the kind of guy or gal that talks about non-human intelligence and your friends kind of go like, wow, I guess you're you're kind of off the reservation here. You're not, you're not. This is actually happening. It's being confirmed by your people. The second part of this that disturbs me though is there seems to be a rush to now try to talk about it. So after years and years and years, decades and decades and decades Where this has all been kind of pushed aside and nobody dared speak the word alien or extraterrestrial, let alone non human intelligence. Now they're all starting to do it and they're doing it fast. And they're talking about hearings that we'll be talking about in a moment that are coming up fast and they're going to have some shocking things in them. And the only thing I can think of is there's got to be a reason why the powers that be in Washington, D.C. are starting to say, We need to actually say the words out loud and we need to get language in right now to get this taken care of. And I'm concerned, Ross, that at the end of the day, uh, the only thing that would make a politician do that and act in that sort of uh, enhanced way where they're in a hurry is that there's some bad news involved in this. And, and I don't know exactly what it is. And I know that you don't know exactly what it is. People are talking. It's hard to sort out what the sources mean or don't mean, but, you know, uh, as I said, Chuck, Chuck Schumer is a, was and has been a cautious man in many cases. And I don't think he'd be talking like this and pushing this if he didn't think there was a fire behind his back, pushing him to do so.
1: Look, I, I, I've got a pretty clear idea of what the government knows and I can understand why they're moving to expedite. Um, Yes, um, there is a constraint of time. Uh, uh, The government knows that it really does have to tell the truth to the public. After years of treating the subject with derision and ridicule, and even now we've got the legacy media. I mean, Julian Barnes of the New York Times, I was highly amused by the way that he was used as the drop by the Pentagon to essentially release the fact that this uh, legislation was on the table. Um, Maybe it was an attempt to bring the New York Times back into the tent because they've been quite reckless frankly in the last few months in not covering the unfolding developments but i thought the julian barnes piece in the new york times i'm sorry we just have to call it out as a journalist i just thought it was utterly disingenuous with the way it reported the significance of this schumer legislation he played darn quite deliberately, I think, the significance of Dave Grush's revelations, didn't even mention Grush by name. He knows by now as a national security reporter that Grush is a very high level, highly credible informant. Here we are two months now into when Dave Grush first went public with me on News Nation. And there has not been any real attempt by anyone in the government or the intelligence community or the Defense Department to discredit him. And that's because they can't. Dave Grush Grush is a patriot, he's a decent man, who just wants you, the American public, the rest of the world, to know the truth. And so when you have words like non-human intelligence, controlled disclosure campaign plan that's section nine of this um, amendment that schumer has put before the house controlled disclosure campaign plan with respect to unidentified anomalous phenomena records particular information in unidentified anomalous phenomena records recovered technologies of unknown origin biological evidence for non-human intelligence the public disclosure of which is postponed The review board shall create and transmit to the president and to the archivist a controlled disclosure campaign plan. I mean, so this this legislation is a clear statement by some of the most powerful people in the Congress that there is now to be a controlled disclosure of the reality of UAPs. It's not speculative. It's not vampires. It's not fantasy. You've got to get with it, debunkers. This is real. Come on, be part of history. You're going to get left behind if you don't start embracing and understanding that there is a reality here that is driving and informing what all of these senior senators are doing. And the mainstream media is shabby and disingenuous, and quite frankly, deceitful in the way it's conducting itself in its failure to properly report this issue, with a few notable exceptions, including particularly my friends at News Nation, who had the guts to run the Dave Grush interview.
0: I agree. I agree. You know, um, I I did read the Julian Barnes piece, and in comparison to some of his earlier pieces, which were just ridiculous. This one wasn't as bad as his previous work, but he's got a lot to learn and he's got he's got some distance to travel. One of my concerns by the way though about the language that is being put forward for this year's NDAA, you know, if it passes, um as I understand it, Biden appoints these people, I think it's 9 people, and uh, he's instructed to appoint them from different uh you know, walks of life or or professional areas that's okay. In fact, I'd like to volunteer to be appointed to the review board. I'd like very much to be on that. And I'm kidding, sort of, but I do think somebody who knows something about the UAP UFO issue should be at least one of those
1: nine people. I think you'd Um, be terrific, mate. I'll nominate you. Let's see what happens. I think uh, you nor I would survive national (laughs) security scrutiny. I suspect there's no way I'm ever going to pass a national security, uh, uh, what what do they call it when they vet you? A vet, a vetting. But you You, you would be
0: you would be my top choice, except that you don't have U.S. citizenship and you probably wouldn't pass that one. But uh, so I'll I'll stand in and you can whisper in my ear and tell me what to be saying. Um, You know, clearly, um, we're talking about how disclosure is feels like it's happening right now, and um, as you know, and many of the people listening and watching right now know that I, I did spend a, a year of my life writing a book with Richard Dolan about that AD after disclosure. And I just happened right before we went on to see Richard talking on another podcast, and we, by the way, should have Richard on soon and sort of kick this around. I mean, he's uh One of the smartest guys uh, that I know, and he's a great historian and he's done a marvelous job with it. But he reminded the interviewer that back when he and I were writing this book, we were the thing we were trying most to grapple with. Well, what's the trigger, if you will, toward some kind of disclosure? And as he pointed out, we thought it might be kind of like an avalanche that the snowball starts going down the hill picks up more snow, it gets larger, it rolls faster, and it crushes everything in its way. That was kind of our thought that it might take a mass siding to do that. It might take something else to do that. But in reality, uh, we seem to be seeing an avalanche building. And I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to hide from that. There is an avalanche building toward disclosure. And as uh, Rich put it in this interview, he said, some people think it's like rats deserting a, a sinking ship that You know, once it becomes clear that the the secret is becoming public, that uh, other people are going to want to come out and tell their stories, that does seem to be what is happening right now, and so I keep thinking um, that it is possible for someone to put this toothpaste back in the tube. It is possible for this forward motion that we're seeing to stall, but it's not likely. More likely is uh, what is going at. at a good pace, but a little deliberate and slow, may pick up and just go over the edge in a, in a short period of time. Richard did point out that he talked to a mutual friend of all of ours, Stephen Bassett, who has devoted his life uh, to, to trying to get this story out. And even though, as I joke about uh, Steve Bassett, that he predicts disclosure will happen next year and eventually he'll be right, now Steve Bassett even is talking about weeks and not months, uh, for some form of acceptance and disclosure. And I would say, Ross, if I'm hearing Bassett talk about that, I'm thinking the reason he's saying things like that now, uh, and the reason he's he's moved up from years to weeks, uh, you know, not months, is because he's thinking about these hearings that we're being told are about to happen. And I know that you have your finger on the pulse of these hearings going on in DC. So I thought I'd tee you up to brief us on that one.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, what I do know is there's apparently going to be a hearing on the 26th of July, and um, it looks like it'll probably be a subcommittee of the United States um, Armed Services Committee, the House, uh, and um, uh, I'm told uh, David Grush probably will be testifying, and I'm told also that there are plans for possibly three other witnesses to testify. And uh, hold on to your hold on to your horses because uh, it's uh, I'm, frankly I, I just can't believe it. Frankly, it's amazing I, to me yeah. how quickly this is all unfolding. But um, uh, I, I think you can expect some pretty candid discussion.
0: Well, I want think. to ask you about that though. Okay, so I think is it the House Oversight Committee that will that's that with uh, House
1: Oversight? Um, yeah, sorry, House right, Oversight with, Committee with yeah, Tim
0: yeah. Burchett and and uh, Representative Luna from. Uh, Right. Well, Comer is the head of the top thing, but he keeps talking about how Representative Luna and Representative Burchett are going to be sort of running the show on this thing. But here's my here's the issue I have. Okay, we know what's what Dave Grush has said. Okay, he said it in public to you. He said it on News Nation. He's been widely quoted. And just to remind everybody, he said yes on crash retrievals yes on reverse engineering uh yes on private aerospace getting involved in this and frankly yes on bodies so okay if we have a house oversight committee that starts with david grush is this literally something he's able to say publicly and then that and the people after him are going to come on and say yeah what grush said is all true and by the way i had firsthand experience with these craft and these bodies is that even possible because if that happens at the end of this month, like literally within a week or two of what we're recording right now, I mean, that is disclosure. That that will be a, an official government group talking about alien bodies and alien craft.
1: If that happens the way you were yes. describing, it is disclosure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's just wait and see what unfolds before the committee. But I here's the broad so can be happening.
0: Yeah, but, but uh, you and I have had this conversation. One of the issues, though, is the House Oversight Committee may not have the classification to even have heard the, the entire Grush story in the beginning. I know they
1: can't. No, no, the, the, right. that's one of the issues. One, one of the big issues that people keep on missing is that uh, even... Inside the Congress, you know, you only have certain committees like the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence, the House Permanent Select Committee for Intelligence, and probably also the Armed Services Committee, which is why I was thinking of it, um, which have the power of classification access, the top secret SCI clearances for the staff and for the political representatives to allow them to hear the kind of evidence that needs to be heard. And so, yes, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see Mr. Grush giving evidence in the public hearing, a lot of which will probably be a restatement and a reaffirmation of a lot of what he told me in my interview about bodies. But also think about it. Imagine if they ask Mr. Grush, Mr. Grush, you told Ross Coulthard in an interview with News Nation, people have been murdered to protect the secret. Who? Who was murdered? And Mr. Grush is prepared to start giving evidence about that point. This is why they're panicking. (laughs) What we're talking about here is criminal activity. And this is why, I I mean, I I actually am shocked, I'm really shocked that that, um, papers like the New York Times, the Washington Post, Uh, uh, major TV networks, with the exception, by the way, of Gaddy Schwartz from NBC, who did a very good report the other night. This has been largely ignored. This is momentous. We are now looking at what is very possibly going to be the biggest story in human history unfolding in the Congress in no less than a couple of weeks. That's how serious this is. What is going on when this story is so comprehensively being ignored and overlooked by so many of the influential commentators in media? And look, it does matter. It matters because political representatives need to know that there's political benefit for them in going public with these issues. And what's happened here is the uh, the rise of social media, show, shows like ours on YouTube and um, different uh, applications on social media, They're giving promotion to issues that are no longer being covered in legacy media. And this is why the White House is now playing catch-up, because they're realizing the numbers are there. Sufficient people have told their political representatives that this matters to them. And so, yes, I mean I, I think that in a large part of this is let's give ourselves some credit. We we've played a role, all of us, in Terms of awareness of this issue in making the executive branch of government aware that this is an issue that's not going away. And I think also they're, they're a bit concerned because people like myself do know things that, um, you know, so far I'm, I'm being very careful with how much I reveal, but I'm making it very, very clear that I am privy to information that ought properly to be in the public domain. And the challenge is on the executive to show leadership here. And we're in this weird situation, though, where I, I just am perplexed, Bryce, that 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 the editors of the New York Times, the Washington Post haven't by now gone, you know what? The moment this piece of legislation from Chuck Schumer was put right. up before the House, the moment Chuck Schumer started talking about um, the simple fact that Congress has not been properly informed about UAPs, federal government, UAP records exist. It's a categorical statement that have not been declassified because essentially exemptions under the Atomic Energy Act have been misused in a broad interpretation of trans-classified foreign nuclear information. They've essentially used legislation that was not designed for that purpose to subvert accountability to Congress. Mm. Um, At what point... Does the legacy media in America sit up and go, you know what? Gee, (laughs) gee, guys, shucks, this is a story. And yes, I know there are the debunkers who still say that this is all potentially superstitious nonsense and that Congress has had a rush of blood to their head. You know, there's one idiot. Um, who uh, I will not name, who keeps on saying that, um, you know, this is all just a fabrication by a small cadre of tinfoil hat crazies who've managed to persuade the Congress's most powerful political representatives to believe in UAPs. Seriously, grow up, you infantile, puerile piece of shit. You know, (laughs) people like you have discredited the whole subject for so long. You know, we are now at a stage where we're on the brink of an amazing revelation. See, I know, I mean, I know that things are coming that people need to know. And that's why we called our show Need to Know. Stay with us. We're back in a moment because you need to know.
0: I watch a lot of... Podcasts. I read a lot of articles as you do, and I keep seeing that phrase pop up in quotations from people all the time. The public needs to know, or we need to know this, or we need. So I do think we we picked a good one. You know, it's interesting though. You said, <laughs> "At what point uh, will the legacy media wake up?" And my answer is soon, very soon. Because here's here's the dynamic: um, we are still in that transitional shadow area where we're moving into a, a more widespread. Uh, knowledge of what the facts of the matter are. At a certain point, it won't just be people like you and me who are saying, what is wrong with the New York Times? It will be average, well, it, or any of these other places, it will be average people who are up to speed on this topic. And they'll say, why do I only get this information from X? What happened to these other guys? And I think they'll get in the game. I'm pretty sure of it. But I do think uh, I should just point out, I am the son of a history teacher. And so, uh, my father, Harvey Zabel taught me a lot about how to study history, how to write history, how to think about history and, um, uh, well, I have one prediction. Future history books are all going to have to be rewritten. Uh, the ones post World War II, in particular, because you have to blend all these events that were going on—the Cold War, um, the Vietnam War, the Iraq War—the you know all of these events and the things that have happened in the United States and around the globe are going to have to be blended in with the knowledge that behind the scenes there was this massive secret. Uh, being kept undercover through denial and ridicule. And um, if I was a younger man, I would volunteer to write one of those. Uh, I do think though, those history books, books of the future, though, Ross, are if you turn to the index, you're going to find something called Coltart comma Ross, because that interview you did with Dave Grush, uh, in my view, is going to in the future seem more important even than the 2017 reporting that ushered in this new stage not that will always be super important reporting because it was first and it kind of kicked the door open but what happened with grush is i mean i read somebody today say i gotta say dave grush has a giant pair of balls and i think that that is true about the guy he has done something that's that's dangerous to him personally he did it with his uh, chin up, and he went in there, and he—he's prepared to take whatever consequences uh, that come with telling the truth. But by God, he's determined to tell the truth, and man, that puts him in my history book.
1: Yeah, well, I—I, I, I, you know, you know my feelings. I mean, I've checked Dave out, and I've spoken to so many people inside the intelligence and defense community who vouch for Dave as an honorable, decent patriot. And nothing bears out more the veracity and the authenticity of his claims that the House, or sorry, the Senate majority leader has backed this legislation, which essentially states as a categorical fact that records on UAPs are being essentially improperly withheld using clauses and exemptions that are not proper. That That is just breathtaking to me. And it's incredibly significant because you know, Congress doesn't make statements like that without good cause. And uh, I think we're going to see, I I don't think we're going to see full disclosure in July. I I think it'll take a lot longer than that. But I think we're going to see the beginnings. And I think also, as you've rightly pointed out with the JFK mandatory review, declassification review, we're entitled to be deeply sceptical about claims that we're going to see a broad declassification of UAP archives. I can understand that um, material relating to recovered technology ought properly not to be released if it could potentially be used to create weaponry or give foreign adversaries some kind of an unfair advantage. I think that there are very strong national security imperatives that have dictated a lot of the way that this has been run for so many years. But I think that what's probably happened inside the military defense intelligence community is... Overzealous senior commanders took it upon themselves to even deny Congress oversight of something, which is breathtaking. I mean, frankly, Bryce, these people should be dragged before the Congress and made to account for themselves. There needs to be a public reckoning. I've said, and I think I was the first to say it, that we do need some kind of truth and reconciliation commission. I don't think criminal uh, actions against the people that made these decisions during the Cold War to withhold this evidence is probably going to be a good idea. I think if people have been killed, if people have committed very, very serious felonies, crimes in order to conceal this, that's a separate issue altogether. I think they need to be held accountable. But I think the in the context of the Cold War, the fact that we now have in black and white a clear acknowledgement by the legislative branch of government at the highest levels that they accept that there has been withholding of UAP records. This is an historic moment. This is to some degree a disclosure. And it's the beginning of what they themselves in section um, section nine of this proposed legislation. They refer to as quote controlled disclosure campaign plan did you ever think you would see a controlled uap disclosure plan coming from government who would think that listen um
0: if I had a therapist, Ross, and I don't have a therapist, but if I had one, they would say, Bryce, you got to speak up for yourself. So while I do take your point about truth and reconciliation commissions, I just want to point out that in 2010, Richard Dolan and I devoted a chapter to a truth and reconciliation commission, because we thought that as part of overall disclosure, what would eventually have to happen is there's only so much Congress by itself can do. There are going to be great... Um, divisions based on this long-standing lie and people some people will have been hurt some people will have been as you pointed out murdered careers will have been destroyed um, fortunes lost and found over this thing and it's going to be something that people are going to be looking at for years and years and years um and so I guess as we reach uh, the end of this one I just want to say that um, I guess my take is disclosure, and this has always been my take, disclosure is a process. And to use the Hollywood metaphor, it's either a slow dissolve or a hard cut. And I thought either is possible. The hard cut is, of course, uh, the White House lawn landing of a UAP. That hasn't happened. Or a mass sighting that can't be denied. That hasn't yet happened. Um, but we are definitely in a slow dissolve right now and the dissolve is getting faster. And here's my take as I think about where we stand today. Congress is not going to be able to do this solo. I don't expect them to do that. I don't expect that they think they can do that. But Congress being interested in this will wake up the media, which is one of the issues that we've uh, debated at length on our podcast. And when the media wakes up, they will wake up the people. So Congress wakes the media up, the media wake the people up, and then my friend, the people will take it on home. Once they have heard that there is a reality here and they begin to realize, hey, we've been kept in the dark about this for by, by everybody from government to the media to everybody, uh, then they're going to say, I want some answers. I think, Ross, we are moving in rapidly and I way more rapidly than I would have seen it without a mass sighting, uh, without an incontrovertible sighting. We are moving much faster than I could ever have imagined. And the very things that we have talked about in this show today, the language that you have quoted is so unprecedented. You can't imagine this being in a bill or a hearing a decade ago, let alone five decades ago or whatever. It's, it's, unbelievable that people are using this language. And remember one thing, folks, people debate that language. The language that Ross has read out loud today is not something somebody just said, ah, what if it's uh no, they wrote it. They showed it to other people. People on their staff looked at it. They've run it past people and people have said that's the right way to say it let's introduce the concept of non-human intelligence. Let's talk about a disclosure process. So I guess my parting shot here, Ross, is that we're there. We're getting there so fast and and literally, I'm I'm sure glad we've had some experience putting on this podcast because now we can worry a little less about some of that because we're going to have a gigantic story to keep our our minds on, and it's not going to let go. It's going to start up again and go like crazy.
1: Um, I feel an obligation, Bryce, before we go to pour cold water on a claim that's doing the rounds like fire at the moment on the internet, okay. that there's some kind of strike force that's been created that allegedly is preparing to raid black sites containing NHI technology and bodies. And, um, Uh, I, I don't doubt the sincerity of the person that's making the claim online, but I think who's ever informing them may be misinformed or having a bit of a game because I'm not hearing any such suggestion. I'm hearing that, as you've rightly pointed out, this is going to be a process, that there is a genuine good intention from the Congress that private aerospace companies in particular and any other companies that are aware of this will be given a reasonable opportunity to come forward with what they know and what they hold. And in fact, one thing that we haven't talked about, Bryce, and I also want to mention this, is I do think that this legislation is going to require some amendment because one of the things it does is it allows for the confiscation of um, uh, UAP tech. Uh, If somebody's got a craft hidden in a hangar that they haven't disclosed to the federal government, essentially it's now deemed under this proposed law to be federal government property. But it's an interesting question that I'd leave us all with. How does that apply to, say, the so-called metamaterials that have been recovered by um, uh, amateur or civilian UFO groups like the Ubatuba uh, samples, the uh, alleged arts parts samples, all of these samples that have allegedly been recovered over the years? There's merit, I think, in independent research into these issues because as much as I love and respect the American government, I don't think we can always trust them to be completely scrupulously honest. I think independent rigor and review is always a healthy thing. So I do think that the legislation needs to be measured in how it deals with the issue of confiscation of um UAP material. Uh, you know, what about these people that are doing their own independent research? How confident can they feel? And more importantly, as I've said in previous interviews, Uh, and in comments on this podcast, if a private aerospace company has taken the initiative to retrieve, say, a spacecraft, which I don't think in light of this legislation is a remote possibility, and if they've paid for it all themselves and if they've spent billions of dollars trying to back-engineer it for the last 50, 60 years, if hypothetically that was the case and there's no federal government involvement at all in their efforts to do the back-engineering on it, on what legal basis can the government move in and assert that it has any right over that technology? These these are really interesting issues, and well, so that's why I I do think there's going to be need needing to be some changes or some tinkering with this law. Uh, otherwise, there's going to be an, a massive lobby behind the scenes from people in private aerospace.
0: And and I don't know how it is in Australia, but here in America, almost everything ends up in court. So the very issues you're talking about, you know, there could be a Supreme Court. Uh, challenge someday to who owns what. Uh, You may have a private aerospace firm and the United States in a Supreme Court case trying to determine who gets to claim ownership of this thing.
1: Yeah, I noticed my friend Chris Sharp from Liberation Times, he asked a very sharp question, God bless him, to uh, Lockheed Martin. Because Lockheed Martin is a publicly listed um, shareholder invested company. It's a corporation that relies on shareholder funds. It's under a duty of continuous disclosure under the SEC laws, the corporate laws in your country. If they are holding, let's hypothetically assume, if Lockheed Martin is holding an alien spacecraft, it is by definition probably the most valuable object on the planet. It's priceless. Why haven't shareholders been informed about that, if that's the case? And why did Lockheed Martin, as Chris reported, why did Lockheed Martin, when asked that question, refer the Liberation Times and the Daily Mail to the Pentagon? Yeah. Why should the Pentagon That's have to answer? That's a really good answer? question. Why should the Pentagon have to answer for, to, for a public corporation which has a responsibility to its shareholders? I mean, I'll, I'm just going to be a lawyer for a moment. This is really important, and this could be their undoing. Because if they've been lying to shareholders, they've. I note that Lockheed Martin, for example, has said that they've complied with all their regulatory requirements which may well be. But what have they told shareholders? If you're a shareholder and you've sold Lockheed Martin shares, not knowing that all this time, hypothetically, they've had one of the most priceless objects in history sitting in a cave somewhere, you'd be pretty pissed right now. Can you imagine well, the legislation that would eventuate?
0: That's going to end up in court too. Uh, I think the only, the, my only concern at this particular time um, – about when we talk about putting the toothpaste back in the tube is let's face it uh, I don't I, I agree with you I don't think there are probably strike forces being assembled right now to go go to black sites and and pick up craft although nothing would surprise me at this point but I don't I haven't heard anything in either of you that would lend credence to that so I'm not I'm not saying that's happening but I think what is happening though is, If it is all true that there are craft, a dozen craft in possession of uh, either the government or private aerospace, if other countries have them, et cetera, what do we know when somebody has something that they don't want people to know that they have or whatever? They want to confuse it. Let's take the presidential records, uh, the classified documents that Trump had at Mar-a-Lago. Well, they tried to hide them. They moved them around. I'm concerned that somebody that actually has a craft or a body or metamaterials or whatever or documents is standing metaphorically right now over that shredder, just putting one thing after another in the shredder. And and I just want to caution anybody who's doing that, that not only are you not working in the interests of the people of the world but you're probably committing a criminal act by shredding those documents oh, it, and it, hiding it, it, those it's
1: definitely craft, a Yeah.
0: right? Yeah. So you're a committing a crime rat right now, so I would advise you to stop and get on the right side of history and instead cooperate in the ultimate investigation. That's my you know advice for what it's worth.
1: And, and just to close for myself, that's why I thought it was so important to mention the fact that I'm aware that there is a large craft, which is the subject of – um a lot of speculation on the internet i can't reveal where it is because it is very very national security sensitive and i don't want to do anything to compromise the good work that the us does do both in your country's interests and in my country's interests Um, but i did want to put the people on notice who might be trying to engineer a cover-up that we actually know a lot more i certainly know a lot more than i'm letting on publicly and we're waiting to see how honourably and truthfully they conduct themselves. And be aware, so is the Congress. They know right. a lot more than they let on. They're already watching. They're watching and waiting and just seeing what these executives do. Because there are, there are people sitting in skiffs right now in private companies debating what they should do. And one of the issues that's foremost in their minds is protecting their company's profitability. They are sitting on assets, allegedly, worth incredible sums of money. Technological advances that are of enormous benefit to the world, not just to their company. They need to be put on notice that they're now being very, very closely watched. They have egregiously breached the oversight rules of the Congress and collaborated criminally with people in the defense and intelligence community, if these allegations are true, if, as the Congress appears to think they are true, to withhold and conceal from the American public and the world the biggest secret in human history. They've got to decide, as you say, whether they want to be on the right side of history.
0: I'll give you this. A change is going to come. People get ready need to know is a joint production of stellar productions and powerful owl productions the producer is rich johnson want more find more at needtoknow.today that's needtoknow.today